Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And coming up, we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs with Travis Schlepp of the Deer Noise Podcast. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment. It all comes down to Eugenio Suarez. for the second time in his career has thrown a no-hitter. Tonight he no-hits the Cincinnati Reds. Sensational performance by the A's right-hander Mike Fires. Wow. And that was the 300th no-hitter in Major League Baseball history, the second for Mike Fires. And how about that? And you know what amazes me is no hitters used to be the the big story in the headlines, and this was almost kind of lost. I know it was a late night game. What made this no hitter even more improbable was there was a ninety minute delay due to lighting, and you know Mike Fires had to gut his way through one hundred and thirty one pitches to get the job done. And boy, these days you don't get to throw that many pitches in a game. Usually around the hundred mark. If it's uh, anywhere dicey, they're pulling you out. But uh, he was able to throw his second career no-hitter. And think about this. The only guys, the only guys who have more no-hitters than Mike Fires are Nolan Ryan. He had seven. Sandy Koufax had four. Bob Filler with three. Cy Young with three. Larry Corcoran with three. And then Mike Fires joins a ton of folks who have thrown two. Jake Arrieta, Max Scherzer, Tim Lincecum, Homer Bailey, Justin Verlander, Roy Doc Holliday, Hideo Nomo, Bob Forsh, Ken Holtzman, Jim Bunning, Warren Spahn. Lots of guys on this list. And of course, the most notable with two no-hitters, Johnny Vandermeer, who threw back-to-back no-hitters in 1938, which I will contend is a record that will never be broken, especially in today's day and age, where no-hitters are much more difficult to come by. But think about that. That's uh, incredible stuff. And again... Wish this would have gotten more play, but it's kind of been buried in the headlines. So we're going to highlight it right here on uh, Jeff Allen Sports Talk for you. Well, instant replay found its way into the Kentucky Derby. Maximum, maximum security won the race, but replay deemed that the horse interfered and Country House was awarded the, the win. Why did it take 22 minutes? For this to happen. Got to hear a lot of Mike Tirico, which is never a bad thing, but <laughs> that is incredible. I trust they were just, just struggling with the decision. Uh, are we really going to do this? And believe me, I am no horse racing expert. I'm not real big on horse racing, but I did reach out to a good friend of mine who is Lisa Earlywine. And, uh, she knows horse racing better than anybody I know. And I did ask her, was it the right call? And she said it was. That indeed it was interference. So that said, the overturning certainly mars the finish of the race. And will be talked about. It'll be discussed and bantered aback for a very, very long time.
And now joining us on the podcast is Travis Schlepp. He is from the Deer Noise Podcast and also the Digital con- Content Director for KEYT and KCOY-TV in Santa Barbara and one huge Milwaukee Bucks fan. Travis, thanks for taking the time. Hey, Jeff. Happy to. How's it going? It's going great. So how great is this for Bucks fans being this deep in the playoffs for the first time since 2001 with the Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson team? Uh, if, if there's one word I guess I would describe it, it is... Um relief (laughs) not so it's not so much a joyous occasion as so much it's it's more like getting the monkey off your back you know we struggled for so many years and then there's a a bit of a a catchphrase with bucks fans that's never trust the bucks (laughs) and this team has repeatedly uh shown that 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 catchphrase is almost dead so with every win becomes a little bit more relief that the old bucks are gone and we're in like a new era so this franchise has a, a legacy from an NBA title with Kareem, the Sidney Moncrief, Paul Pressey, Bob Lanier years in the 80s. We mentioned the 2001 team. How thirsty is the fan base from Milwaukee to be annual contenders? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it, it, it all starts with uh, with Giannis. I mean, a lot of people thought that we had a, a timeline that was a few years down the road, and it's all kind of accelerated so quickly. I mean, with the hiring of Mike Budenholzer, it went from like, when Jason Kidd was head coach, like this, this team might have something to now it's kind of like this team has something and we're, we're knocking on the doorstep. So I think it almost caught people off guard. I think, you know, with Wisconsin sports, there's kind of an expectation of excellence, you know, that we've been spoiled for so long with the Green Bay Packers and, and Favre to Rogers and, and it's been down years for the Bucks and, and the turnaround is just so quick. I think a lot of people are hoping for the best and they want what's coming. But I think most people are, a lot of people are just happy to be here. There's people are surprised to even be in this position so quickly. So me, I'm trying to stay grounded and, and, and tell myself that no matter what happens, this is a successful season, but I'm also, uh, I'll be very disappointed if this isn't a title championship team either this year or the next year. Well, so they were successful in uh, taking out the Boston Celtics, and Boston's prime director was to try and stop Giannis Antetokounmpo and make the rest of the team step up. And that looked like sound strategy after the game one victory, but the Bucks adjusted. Giannis was key in making things work, and the cast around him, while not overly heralded, has a lot of nice pieces. Yeah, you know, Mike Budenholzer has really put this team in a position to succeed. Uh, Giannis, with the five-out system, with shooters all around him it's he's already one of these athletic freaks that can get to the rim at will and he also has elite passing for his position so if you surround him with shooters who can who can attack closeouts and move the ball and pass which they had they didn't do a whole lot of in in game one also game one Giannis missed a lot of bunnies that he would normally normally make but it seemed like Budenholzer put the team in a position where it's like if you try and shut down Giannis, that's fine. No one can completely contain Giannis. But if we put the right pieces around him to punish you for going all out at Giannis, we will punish you. And one of the big things that the Boston Celtics did is they put bodies on Giannis. They made walls for Giannis. And they made sure nothing was easy for him. And, and luckily, he got to the line a lot. You know, he, he drives to the basket more than just about anyone in the entire league. And he kicks out the ball. So... Really, the, the the game plan that Boston developed is probably the best that you can really hope to to contain Giannis. But unfortunately, Giannis is a talent that just can't be contained. 
Uh, we saw good shooting for the first games from from Chris Middleton. Eric Bledsoe struggled mightily in a couple of the games, and uh, Brooke Lopez last last night was 0 for 7 from three. So it's even so much a testament to not necessarily the number two and number three guys are stepping up. This is Pat Connaughton. This is George Hill, the six and seven guys who are picking up the slack when Giannis is is in the paint and and making things for other players. So it's it's really a, a testament to how deep and uh, how talented this Bucks team can be from one to eight to nine players. So what has Mike Budenholzer done best in making this a 60-win team in the top seed in the East? You, you know, I think the, the number one thing that he did was he had a, a culture reset. Um, when Jason Kidd was the head coach, there was it seemed like nobody trusted anyone in the locker room. Um, that had a lot to do with, I think, the, the tone of the locker room and Jason Kidd as a head coach. Um, Mike Budenholzer came in and he wanted his players to, to what he will say is get their vitamins, which means to take care of yourself, rest, don't overwork yourself. Giannis and Chris Middleton both had career lows as far as starters um, from a minutes perspective. So it was all about taking care of yourself and, and being yourself and not trying to do things that, that you're not successful at. So Mike Budenholzer sees this um, generational talent in Giannis and, and really tried to leverage his skills to put him in the best possible position. And that, that means not giving him, not making him shoot mid range shots like Jason Kidd, you know, wanted him to and letting him roam as a defender and just wreak havoc, which is something that he wasn't doing before. I mean, last year with both Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty, Giannis was doing much more of a frantic, erratic kind of defense where they were trying to take make every single shot hard. But obviously you can't make every single shot hard. So Budenholzer has leveraged Giannis's skills and opened up the floor in a way that these shots are valuable for Giannis. These shots are valuable for Chris. These shots are not as valuable, so let's not take them. And these shots are not as valuable for the other team on defense, so let's not give them the easy shots. Let's let them take the harder shots. It's kind of been a complete scheme change for the Bucks, And we thought, honestly, like I said earlier, that it would take longer for this to be implemented. But uh, the results are, are a lot more shocking and, and satisfying than, you, than any of us could have imagined because they picked it up quickly. And it just makes you wonder how bad things were with the previous coaching staff and how this new coaching staff with Budenholzer and Darvin Ham must be just a complete breath of fresh air because everyone has bought in. So Giannis obviously is the star of the team and, you know, he is somewhat known around the league, but now going to the Eastern conference finals is really going to be on the big stage. That's got to be pretty exciting. You know, it is. Um, I, I can't imagine what it's like for him to go from, from Greece as a nobody playing in the, basically the minor leagues of Greece basketball to coming to being his biggest stage so far, um, he, I'm not, I don't think that he's going to struggle at all. We've seen him on the big stage. We've seen him make incredible plays during all-star games. And, um, he doesn't, he doesn't back down from a challenge and he, the spotlight doesn't seem to scare him. So for him, I'm really looking forward to really arrive. You know, he was on the cover of NBA 2K. He has a new shoe line coming out. 
So for a lot of casual fans, you know who he is. For basketball fans, you know who he is. But there are people who maybe not aren't even sports fans who I think are about to realize that there's a generational talent and possibly if trajectory keeps going, you might have the best player in the entire NBA playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it's really going to be a coming out party for him. So Toronto and Philly still have to settle things to uh, make their way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Which team would be the tougher matchup for Milwaukee? Looking at it from a lineup perspective, I think Toronto presents the most challenging matchups. Obviously, they have the best player among the two. You know, no offense to Joel Embiid, but Kawhi Leonard's been just absolutely unreal this whole playoffs. Um from one to five, Pascal Siakam is going to create a challenge for Giannis. I think it just as a playmaker and athletic, he's been described as baby Giannis a couple times by people. So I think Kyle Lowry is is a good matchup for Eric Bledsoe defensively, and he's struggled. But Marcus Gasol can pass, and Danny Green's one of the best three point shooters in the entire league. And if you discount the bench's lack of production this year in the playoffs and you kind of look more towards historically they've had a very deep bench and Fred Van Vliet's been very good for Toronto and uh, Patrick McCaws even somehow worked his way into this but Sergi Baca is on the on the bench and if those players show up I mean it's it's going to be a battle of deep teams with superstars and I think that is definitely going to be the most competitive matchup with all respect to to Philadelphia, but the team that worries me is Toronto and has worried me throughout the year. And obviously a one and two seed certainly would not be uh, the, the worst thing to happen for, for the NBA in the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. Um, unless if you, I'm sure there's executives at the NBA office who are very concerned about a Milwaukee Toronto matchup when two years ago, this exact playoff situation spent most of its time on NBA TV. So um, for Fans of basketball and superstars playing, it's the perfect situation. But um, casual fans, I'm not. I'm hoping that they'll give it a shot. But but who knows if there's there's no LeBron, there's no there's no major markets in this. So we will see. Well, uh, so as you said, you know, it's you know, learning to trust. Do you feel like you can trust this team all the way, Jeff? I don't know. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I, I want to say yes. I, there's. We have a whole body of evidence on this Bucks team that shows they are the best team in the league, if not just by record, but also point differential. And they're the only team in the league that had a top five offense as well as a top five defense. They have arguably the best player left in the entire playoffs. I'm not ready to anoint Giannis as the best player in the world or maybe the second best player in the world. But, I mean, there's a chance Kevin Durant could miss time. Steph Curry has has struggled a little bit in this playoffs, you know, relative to his actual career production. Um, so everything points to me being confident. I should be confident, but <laughs> never trust the bucks is always something that I think about, but I, I will say this. I do believe they will make it to the finals. I do think that they will get past Toronto or Philadelphia. All right. Well, we wish him the best of luck of that. Travis Schlepp with the Deer Noise podcast. We certainly thank you for your time to talk Milwaukee Bucks basketball with us. Yeah, anytime. Happy to do it. And as we mentioned, the 
other half of the Eastern Conference Finals still needs to be settled. Toronto and Philadelphia, we are recording on Thursday evening. That game is already underway at the time of this particular recording. And I'm going to tell you what, though, as Magic fans, we saw just how good the Toronto Raptors are. Kawhi Leonard is just downright freaking unstoppable. And uh, Pascal Siakam is certainly uh, a, a downright matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. And so we'll see who comes out of that to face the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Western Conference Finals... The Denver Nuggets have a three games to two lead on the Portland Trailblazers. That will also be a Thursday night game that uh, you may know the result of by the time you listen to this podcast on Friday and beyond. And, you know, and sitting here thinking, uh, you know, if if Denver were to go all the way and you were, <laughs> Travis was talking about, you know, what, what the ratings might be like if uh, Milwaukee got there. Uh, but you can imagine what, you know, Denver, Milwaukee, or Denver, Toronto might uh, might uh, get people to scratch their heads. I think it's good for basketball. Now, you know, I I could care less about the ratings and things like that. I know networks have to worry about it for their bottom line, but I like seeing other teams in the mix. And you know, Golden State winning it every year. You know, they're a great story. They're a great team. But you know, it's all it's all it's like New England in football. Everybody wants to see somebody else besides Patriot fans. By the way, the Golden State-Houston Rockets series will continue to, on Friday evening. And Golden State has the three games of two edge, but now we'll be without Kevin Durant with the calf injury. He's definitely out for game six. So this is Houston's chance to force a game seven. Golden State's going to need Steph Curry to break out of his slump, and in particular, Klay Thompson, who has had a terrible time shooting the basketball. Klay Thompson could very well be the X factor as far as that goes. And just to do a little cleanup on the podcast, I forgot to mention the Mike Fires highlights, courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area. I want to make sure to get those credits are where credits are due. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog in the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at kramersalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.